0: So, you want to do social media, but you want to make sure you're doing it right. But it's really tough. Social media, it's a big bad world out there. It's a beast, and the beast needs to be fed. Making content, what a grind. I know you know what I'm talking about because you're living through it. Oh my God, social media, how do I do this? We're going to answer all of your social media questions today with Elisa Naful, the founder and president of Ballyhoo Social. It's coming up on Marketing Mouse right now. Work, 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 work. It's a rule around here. You work hard, play hard. I have eight different bosses right now. I uh, beg your pardon? Eight bosses. Eight? Eight What When I work late, you work late. But I made the appointment two months ago. I care!
1: Fresh off the lips of health marketing experts, this is Marketing Mouths. And now, here's Bill Claprock.
0: Taking what they're giving,
1: cause I'm working for a living.
0: Uh-huh, that's right. Welcome to the Marketing Mouths podcast, episode number 12. Many marketing professionals at hospitals were overworked and understaffed and in the fast-paced, hyper-competitive world of hospital marketing, It can be hard to keep up. So our mission is to bring you marketing, PR, and social media experts, IT pros, and other guests with information and insights to help you stay on top of your game. With me today is Elisa Naufel, the founder and president of Ballyhoo Social, one of the first and most innovative social media agencies in the U.S., providing the highest level of platform experience, personalized customer service, and the most advanced social strategy, planning, and execution and today we're going to take a little trip to the intersection of social and health care. Elisa, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: Oh, I've been looking forward to talking to you. So we're going to dig right into this. First off, how did you come to start Ballyhoo Social and uh, what's up with that name? How'd you come up with that?
1: Well, When I was traveling for a consulting business that I owned, I was in an airport and there was a girl sitting beside me and because I'm a naturally nosy slash curious person, she was on a platform that I had never seen before on her laptop and she was using Facebook. At the time, Facebook was only for .edu people and so if you were in college, you used Facebook to make connections and the general public or grown-ups didn't really use it. And I was intrigued by it. And she spent 35 minutes showing me her Facebook page and, and kind of the nuances of it. And I knew in that moment that it was going to be something I certainly never knew it would be what it is today and realized that there would be a very specific marketing need for businesses to be able to harness that platform. And so in an airport, I believe it was in Tampa that that happened, I realized I needed to start a business consulting and advising customers on how to use social media. And as you probably know, so many people, when they start a business, think of a name. What am I going to name my business? And the biggest question that came to me is, who are we as a company? And I always loved the word ballyhoo. I love fish. And so it just really all came together. And I made my own word, which was B-A-L-L-Y-W-H-O, and then just added social to it.
0: I love it. Ballyhoo social, great story. See, you're a trendsetter. You saw the early edition of Facebook and just knew what was going to happen with that and the opportunities that it would contain for businesses.
1: I wasn't sure how, I I never would have predicted the growth, the exponential growth of Facebook in such a short amount of time. But I do often say that when we started Ballyhoo, we know we're almost as young as Facebook is because there weren't Facebook business pages. You still had to set everything up through profiles. And we're celebrating our 10-year anniversary with Ballyhoo this year. And I look back on all of the changes that social has made and just communications and marketing in general, and it's it's overwhelming, I think, to businesses and brands. Sometimes I look at the platform changes from day to day and think, the exponential growth of social is really astounding. I don't think anyone would have predicted it. I knew it would be something. I just wasn't sure um, exactly what it would be. But there's nothing better than being first in a market. So that's what I jumped on.
0: That is so true. And speaking of that, social media like you said, it has just exploded. Nobody really knew how huge this was going to become and the applications that it would hold for businesses. And many still are wondering, geez, do I need social? So why is social media an important component of healthcare marketing?
1: Well, I think social can do a lot of things. I think that when you look at a hospital or a a hospital system or a network, you have the idea that if you are that sort of business, that perhaps you might not need to use social media. The dilemma that I think a lot of organizations, healthcare and not healthcare, run into is that if you're not engaged socially, even from a social listening perspective, listening to what potential customers are saying about their experience with your hospital or your brand, you're missing the boat and in the past people would say, well, if I don't have a Facebook account or a Twitter account, then I don't need to worry about it with the idea that if somebody was speaking negatively or positively about their brand, that it wouldn't matter. And the reality is people talk about their experiences incessantly in the moment. Uh, in any social experience, and so it's critical from a social listening perspective, even if you're not going to engage from a content engagement perspective, to to get an idea of what's happening with your business. There are also tremendous marketing opportunities on social media platforms. Facebook has evolved and grown, and Facebook is one of many social platforms. I think we talk about Facebook all the time because they are the big one, but YouTube is just as significant and Twitter as well for a specific demographic. Instagram, which of course is owned by Facebook, is one of the fastest growing platforms and incredibly compelling for a younger demographic. And then you have platforms like Snapchat, which a lot of brands are scratching their head trying to figure out how to integrate and use in, in day-to-day business, and Pinterest and all the other platforms. But it's at the end of the day, it's an opportunity for you to use a platform to communicate a message to invite people to do business with you in different ways, and I think especially for healthcare organizations to educate patients, potential customers about a plethora of health information. You know, the number one place people go when they need to get information about health issues is not to go to their doctor first. They go online and research it and try to diagnose themselves And so isn't it great if you can use a platform to actually provide credible information? I think it's incredibly valuable and a public service, frankly.
0: It is very valuable for all the reasons you list. And many people feel like, hey, I have to be on social media, so I'm going to jump in, but they probably don't do it right. So what errors do you see hospitals and healthcare institutions making when it comes to social media?
1: I think the three biggest mistakes they make, number one, is they don't have a, a content plan. And so they'll create a Facebook page or they'll get a page set up and they don't have a regular cadence for meaningful content. And the reason for that is because it seems exciting in the beginning, but creating content can be Incredibly um, time consuming. You have to research it uh, with all of the, the image changes and rules around the platforms. You just have to be mindful of what you're doing. So, content creation is a time suck for a lot of organizations. So, that's one challenge. Number two is not communicating, so, not curating comments or turning comments off. So, potential customers or patients want to give their experience about uh, a physician or a hospital or an employee, or ask questions, and a lot of hospitals either turn off comments, which is why would you be on social if you don't want to be social? Uh, The other is to not respond to comments, and people are going to say positive and negative things on on anything that you do, but not having a protocol for how you're going to respond to those things is, is really detrimental. And then I think the third mistake that a lot of healthcare organizations make that they may not realize they're making is that they're not really sure why they're doing social. They have this belief, I have to be on social media and I have to do all the things. And the answer is you don't have to do all the things. You just need to know why you're doing the things you're doing. And it has to integrate meaning in a meaningful way with your marketing and PR and communication strategies. So social no longer is this thing in the corner that uh, brands need to do or hospitals need to do, it truly needs to be integrated in all of your marketing, PR, and communication. And so when there's a disconnect there, it it makes brands look amateurish and, and it's obvious. So those are the three big mistakes, I think. There are probably 20 more, but let's not be unkind to the people listening.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. So when a potential client comes to you looking for help, maybe they realize, I'm not doing this very well. I need help. What are they mainly looking for? What are their goals?
1: there's so many different reasons why people come to us and ask us to help that you know time management is a huge one we don't have the time our staffs are you know overworked you know marketing hospital marketing directors I've said for a very long time because I've worked in healthcare organizations for probably 20 years they're the hardest working people I know sincerely they do so many jobs and they have so many people they are accountable to, and they, there's just a limited amount of time every day that they can check all the boxes. And so one is kind of helping time management. One is help, helping stay abreast of all of the constant changes that the platforms are making. It's a full-time job. Even in our organization, we have one person. Their only responsibility is to keep us up to up to date on all of the platform and technical changes that are happening because they happen constantly. Uh, A lot of organizations will come to us and say, we really need help, not only creating the content, but also with the analytics side. How do we know what we're doing is moving the needle? And then that opens another question, which is, what are you really trying to do with social? Are you trying to, if you don't have a web-based system for people to make appointments online, if you don't have a seamless way for people to connect with you Is it just brand awareness? Is it to introduce a new physician or get people to come to a lecture? You know, what are you trying to accomplish and how to get that message out? Is it an extension of your PR and that's it? Uh, And I think that those are critical questions to ask in the beginning because when you don't ask yourself, why am I really doing this? I think you set yourself up to, you know, everybody says, well, we have, 25,000 people that like this page and yet your engagement rates and a lot of the other metrics are incredibly low. And I think that hurts a brand. It doesn't help it.
0: I totally agree with that. So you just mentioned you ask critical questions when people come to you in the beginning. So what is your approach or process in working with clients when they come to you looking for help?
1: The first thing we do is a social audit, and so don't be afraid. I know we are around taxis and nobody likes that word, but we really try and audit their competition, the keywords that are are spoken around the brand, and brand hygiene. So a lot of pages were either set up or not set up correctly, or you have a system that has one name and 40 locations underneath it, and the structures of the, the just the technical side of the platforms are not set up correctly, which is important. And so we take a look not only at the technical structure of how their social is set up, but also how it integrates with their website. We take a look at things like pixel integration, which is the tracking mechanism that Facebook uses to track social traffic. So you can answer the question, what is social doing? And then we also take a look at how they're communicating to their customers and what the sentiment looks like. And so really kind of an overall social audit to start with. And then we'll present those findings to the client with recommendations based on what their goals are. But we always take a step back and say kind of where are we today and what do you want to accomplish and then develop a roadmap as opposed to, you know, on day one rolling up our sleeves and writing content or curating messages or doing analytics. I think we, you know, as a society, we're always rushing so quickly to solve the problem. And sometimes people don't even know what the problem or the opportunity is. So we really do try to take a step back first before we move forward.
0: Which is really important. I love that phrase, brand hygiene. That's a good one.
1: The audit and then I think, brand hygiene. I think everyone needs that. I think the brand hygiene, even for for just individuals. I mean, you look at hospital CEOs, uh, you know, just cleaning up brand their their social footprint, if you will, is critical. You know, there's a lot of junk out there. And uh, you want to make sure that you know a baseline of where you are so it's cleaning things up to start with.
0: So once those questions are answered and you mentioned putting a roadmap together, how do you work with your clients then? Do you actually create content? Are you implementing the strategy for them? Are you creating the ads in the back end? Are you monitoring the page for comments, even answering them? How do you, I imagine you work with them in a variety of ways, but how does that usually work?
1: The answer is yes. We do all of those things in different ways. Uh, We have some clients where we the only thing we do for them is create asset or content libraries for all of their social sites. And so the client will sit down with us and we'll create a custom roadmap content library for them. That's a a very popular and growing category of business for us. We have some clients that we call end-to-end, so we do everything for them from content creation content planning, we curate their pages, meaning that when uh, there's a response that comes, it's a response from our team. We are doing a lot of bot implementation now. So for brands that we work with where people are asking questions like, uh, "What? when does this open or where can I make an appointment or standard questions that don't require a human to answer, we implement that we do a ton of analytics now. Uh I mentioned the pixel integration, but there's a lot of data that can that you can uh get from from pixel integration and then paid social as you said is really fairly new. You know, when Facebook started, they touted how free it was and we all know that there's no such thing as free. Um so what what they did in the beginning was you paid with your privacy, and now, with Facebook, you really it's a pay for play model you know you can't reach even the audience of people that like you without uh boosting content or doing ads and it's getting incredibly competitive and so how to navigate that is uh, is a challenge, and so that's a big area of our business that's growing as well is just paid social and and not only getting past the i we call them facebook police of You know, there are very strict guidelines for how you can promote and what you can promote and what that looks like, and that changes often. Uh, So, we, yes, we do all of those things in, in various forms for different systems across the country.
0: So, you've been talking about analytics. When it comes to results, how do you present those reports or those analytics to your
1: clients? There are a few different ways that we do that. We create roll up reports that we send either quarterly or monthly. Uh, we send benchmarks report, benchmark reports. So we do year over year. We ha- we actually have someone, and her only responsibility is to do metrics and analytics reporting, not only for campaigns but also for uh, the pages that we monitor. And it, it's getting very complicated and very complex with all of the data that's available. And so we that's an area that just from a data science perspective that we're expanding. And and I anticipate that for our company at least in the next 12 to 18 months, we'll have probably four to six people where all they will do is advise clients on the best way to use the data. And how to create audiences or lookalike audiences, or to target and retarget appropriately to people that are interested in their messages. It's, it's I think, the fastest growing field in social, and uh, it, it takes a different type of mind than a, a content writer or a community manager.
0: Right. So I imagine there are hospitals that come to you that don't want, as you call, end-to-end services, but They want to be trained, they want to know how to do things right. So do you train individuals at a hospital or hospital marketing teams on how to properly do social media?
1: We've done that. Uh, You know, we've got done seminars where we'll go into, uh, with teams and present, here are some best practices, here is how to use the platform, Um, you know, advising and answering questions, technical questions. It's not our sweet spot. If we work with a client and they want us to come in and present how to do that, we are more than happy to. But I I feel like there are so many organizations out there and companies out there that do such an amazing job of training people how to that that's not that's not the business that I want to be in. We considered it for a while, but it's just not I don't want to be in the education of how to I would rather be in the strategy and the implementation side of it. So we dabbled in that a little bit, but typically not. If somebody called and said, can you train my team how to use Facebook? We would say no.
0: So when it comes to social media, it's your view that as a hospital or healthcare institution, if you don't have this and your competition does, will it be a mark against you if you don't have social?
1: I think- a great question. I I don't operate, I think, with that way of thinking that if, if one person has it and another person has it, that the one that doesn't won't be successful. I do feel like it's a missed opportunity. I feel like it's a missed opportunity. I think that one of the challenges that hospitals that either don't have it or that are rural hospitals or that are large systems that are beholden to kind of a, Corporate and not independent structure. I think that's, I think that's a business problem because hospitals ultimately across the country are still community hospitals. And most people identify the hospital that's closest to them as their hospital. And if you're missing the opportunity to engage or communicate with your community, I just think it's a missed opportunity. I think that there are ways to make it easy to consume and to manage. It's just a function of planning. And if it comes off as another thing that someone has to do, I think it is better to not do it. So there is a way to do it where it can be thoughtful and meaningful to the audience you're going to speak to. But if you're doing it to just do it, I think it could hurt more than help. And so I think every hospital system and hospital has to really take a look and say, how much time do we have to devote to this? If we don't have time to devote to it, do we have a budget that we can hire someone to do certain things for us, either an internal person, which I think is critical, or an external team or both? And and just to answer kind of a question that comes up a lot is that we don't take over social without an accountability partner at every hospital. And so our intention is not to put someone out of work. We actually work directly with a marketing director and what they find is over the course of one to two months of working with us that it's a relief to them to have somebody that they can pass things off to and they'll know it. They know it's taken care of within their brand standard. Um, so I think it's a relief to a lot of them. And I think it's important to remember that if you can't do it well or have a plan, you know, bad social is worse than no social, in my opinion.
0: Oh my God! So so well said. So you kind of operate as a social media arm, then, to the marketing department at the hospital.
1: Uh, That absolutely. I think that we call ourselves outsourced social media departments, and so we're not an you know either or. We're an and. and, and definitely work in partnership with a marketing director. I don't have staff that's on site at every hospital, but the marketing directors are. A lot of times, what they need is just help and support. Uh, and ideas and guidance and to know that, you know, if they're on vacation or maternity leave or they can't get something turned around, that they have somebody that they can call to take care of it. And it's it's incredibly cost effective for them to do it. And I think, you know, they, it, you know, every relationship takes time, but usually it takes about four weeks and then they realize, wow, I, I can't believe I I did try to do this on my own.
0: Well, as you said, healthcare marketers are really overworked. So having someone they can go to that they can know and trust to get the job done is very helpful. Let me ask you this, Elisa. As healthcare marketers shift their marketing towards trying to reach healthy people, with lifestyle and health information before they get sick. Do you think social media is really positioned well as a content delivery vehicle to reach those healthy people with the information about how to stay healthy before they get sick? Do you think social media is in a great position for that?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I love Pinterest. I love Instagram. They're my favorite social platforms. And I constantly am fed brilliant, creative on different ways to eat, blankets that'll help me sleep, supplements that will enhance, you know, a hangover. There's so many products and services available on these platforms to to reach populations of younger people. And I think that It is the number one place that people get product information, and so it's incredibly exciting if it's done correctly, and there is a tremendous market of people that want to be healthy. There's also a tremendous market of people that aren't healthy that either want to make a lifestyle change or want alternative options to the things they've always done. And I think just, you know, not to be overly optimistic or Pollyanna-ish, I think everybody wants to live their best life, and sometimes they don't always know how. And social media is a non-intrusive way to communicate opportunity in a way that's different. And I think that the more content that can be distributed, especially from incredibly credible organizations, hospitals to consumers about how to be healthier, how to reduce blood pressure, you know, best practices, reminding people. I, I think it's brilliant. So I think you can absolutely target healthy and quote unquote unhealthy people equally just in different ways.
0: So true. And I know when I'm looking for relief from my red wine hangover, Pinterest is a great spot for that.
1: (laughs) I have that same problem slash opportunity.
0: (laughs) Oh my. All right. Well, one last question. I love red wine. (laughs) I do too. I'm a cab fan. How about you?
1: Me too. Uh, The answer is yes. I love all red wine. (laughs) I'm a wine snob. (laughs) The
0: the answer is yes. I love it. The
1: answer is yes. I do love it. The answer
0: is yes. So one last question, and thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Uh, One more question before we get to the hottest podcast game show going, the marketing mouse wheel of questions. Last question. For someone listening right now, can you offer any quick tips on how to improve their social media presence? I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but for someone listening, you go, yep, make sure you're doing this, make sure you're doing this, and make sure you're doing this.
1: Well, I think the the number one thing that we run into when people come to us is they don't really know why they're doing what they're doing. So I think the number one is to sit back and ask yourself, why am I doing this? What's my objective? What's my business goal? Because everything on social now that you do can be directed back to a business goal. I think to have an independent group of people take a look at your content, to have an independent group of people take a look at you know, your integration between what you're doing with traditional media and social. And when I say traditional, it's all the stuff that used to not be traditional that now is. I also think that ensuring that, you know, you're looking at your metrics and your numbers. If your engagement rates and your likes, clicks, links, and shares are not a compelling number, That's an interesting data point to look at. I also think if you don't have fan growth, organic fan growth, I think it's critical. And if you're using social, there's a really interesting um, ratio that I think is important for everyone to look at. It's organic versus paid. And if you're not doing paid social, you're not doing social media. So if you're not paying for it, you're not doing social. I don't care what anyone says in this day and age. You have to pay for reach. That being said, if you don't have a good balance of organic to paid reach, you're also not doing it correctly. And um, so those are some things to just look at it. And then to be honest with yourself, you know, how am I really doing? How do I feel like it is? I mean, it's, it's a competitive marketplace. There are tons of resources. There are um, a ton of amazing agencies that can help, not just ours, that can really help businesses kind of look at things the right way and, and be critical. Um, but I think the number one is know where you are and know where you
0: want to go. Wow, really interesting. If you're not doing paid, you're not doing social. Because you're right, trying to you're reach not. people organically with the way the algorithms are set now, not going to happen. Really, you're not going to get the it's results you're happen. trying to achieve. Right. There's so not. true, and good. And good to know that going in. Absolutely. All right, Elisa. Well, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. So now it's time for the game show everybody is waiting for. It's time for the Marketing Mouse Wheel of Questions. It's the game show marketers prefer two to one over the competition. All right, Elisa, step up to the wheel. You get three spins. Go ahead and grab it and give it a good spin.
1: All right, let's try it. Let's see.
0: All right. Good spin. Here we go. Coming to a stop and all right, here we go. What would you name your boat if you had one? Maybe you have one. I don't know. If you don't, what would you name your boat?
1: I do not have a boat and I would name my boat a constant craving after the Katie Lang song. <laughs> and that's not unique i saw another boat with the same name and i thought it was really brilliant so (laughs)
0: wow that's an answer i had not expected wow constantly (laughs) craving i'm gonna have that song in my head thank you very much
1: it's such a great song she's amazing
0: she is amazing and that is a really good song all right go ahead grab the wheel and give it another spin
1: all right let me step up and let's see
0: okay coming around coming around here we go I like this one. Very insightful. What question should every marketer ask themselves?
1: Why am I doing this?
0: That's good. I like it. I like it. Because if you don't know why you're doing it, then why are you doing it, right? Nothing
1: matters. <laughs> well, you're not you, going <laughs> you
0: ma- well, to get out of it. What you, If you don't know what you want, how do you know what you want to get out of it, right? How do you set the goals?
1: Yeah, it's like the, they're they're kind of two thoughts. It's either the, what do we want to do or why are we doing it? And a lot of times people say what there's the, you know, let's focus on the what, not the how, what do we want to do? What do we want to accomplish? And then you can figure out the how later. But ultimately, from a marketing perspective, there's just a lot of noise sometimes. and, And I feel like I see things where people aren't really thinking about why they're doing it and what they want to accomplish. And I think those are the most fundamental questions. And the answer isn't because the CEO told me to, <laughs> you know, that's not the answer
0: that's in not my the opinion. answer, Right. And I don't have this problem with red wine. I know exactly why I'm drinking it.
1: <laughs> I know exactly why I'm drinking it too. It's how we know God loves us.
0: <laughs> oh my. Uh, <laughs> do you like red or do you like white? Yes. The answer is yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> All right, Elisa. I actually only
1: drink um, champagne, but that's just a whole other thing, like champagne. You really? from, um.
0: You only drink champagne? Yeah, I
1: mean, I drink red wine. Well, that's the only white wine I drink is
0: Ch- oh, champagne, Chardonnay gotcha. with bubbles. Gotcha. Okay, Chardonnay with bubbles. I like it. That's a good one. You should tweet that out. That's a good tweet. <laughs> All right, Elisa, step up. Last spin. Here we go. Give it a good one.
1: Okay, let's see how it goes.
0: All right. Oh, this is uh, another good one here. Here we go. If there was a movie based on your life, who would you want cast to play you?
1: That's such a great question. And there's so many amazing actresses. You know, the first person that comes to my mind, because I think we don't look alike, but she has long, dark hair, is Demi Moore. So I'll say her. Demi Moore
0: or Demi Demi Moore. How about that? All right. Very good. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Elisa. We appreciate it. If someone has questions or wants to inquire about working with Ballyhoo Social, how can they connect with you?
1: If you want to connect with us, naturally, we're on social media, so you can connect with us there. We have teams that monitor that, or you can connect with us on LinkedIn, or you can send us an email at info at ballyhoosocial.com.
0: Fantastic. And we will put all of that information up on the show notes page at marketingmouths.com. Elisa, thank you so much for your time today.
1: It was a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Have a great day.
0: So fun talking with Elisa today. We really appreciate her time. And thank you for listening to the Marketing Mouths podcast brought to you by Dr. Podcasting. Reach new consumers through informative podcasts featuring your doctors and healthcare staff Learn more at drpodcasting.com. I'm Bill Klaproth. Email me, bill at drpodcasting.com with guest and topic suggestions. You can also hook up with me on all the socials. And I leave you with one of my favorite marketing quotes from Larry Weber. People don't want to be sold. What people do want is news and information about the things they care about. Thanks for listening.